Y'all remember last week when uh, Mark reminded us about his testimony and he said that there was nothing but God. And then he reminded us that all other buts stink. So today I want us to look at the need of prayer and the whole armor of God. And we're going to be in Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. But first I wanted to tell you a story about a couple that goes to church. And I, I guess I better tell y'all that it's not nobody in this particular church. So if this ends up sounding like you or somebody that you know, they didn't tell me. So don't get mad at me, okay? And don't get mad at them. But this couple goes to church and they have their differences. They, uh, the husband's always complaining about the wife always being in church. And at the same time, he's complaining to the fact that she's always witnessing, telling somebody about Jesus Christ. Well, those two things I don't see nothing wrong with. Then there's, they do have a money problem. So they had a money problem. And, uh, but the one thing that the wife does, she makes sure she's always, she's always paying her tithes and her offerings. I didn't see nothing wrong with that either. But this particular day, they were at the store putting the food up on the aisle. Cashier, cashier rang them up. And they ended up having more food than they have money. I'm quite sure y'all know what happens next. That light comes on, starts blinking. Well, for me, when that light comes on, there's something that turns on inside of me. So I wanted, this, this part of the story is actually true. Everything up until now is false. But I'm standing in line, my wife and I, and that light goes off and I do too. I don't say nothing, but I look at my wife and I look up at that light and I look back at her. And she says, only thing she says to me is patience is a virtue. So I got my head down and I say, uh, what'd you say? She said, patience is a virtue. So this is what I said to myself, but not to her. I said, oh, she wants to go Bible on me, huh? That's where she wants to go. So what I actually said to her was book, chapter, and verse. So she takes about five minutes, five seconds, 10 seconds. She finally responds and she says, 2 Peter 1 through 5. 2 Peter 1, 5 through 8. So I say, put my head down a little bit, reach in my pocket. I got time because that light's flashing. Pull out my phone. So I'm looking to see what this says. And while I'm reading, she says, but you focus on 9 and 10. So I said, so I said, I'm looking, I said, mm, five through eight. Virtue, knowledge, patience, kindness. Then I look at nine and ten. Says if I lack these things, that I've forgetting that I've been purged of my old sins. And then I forget about my relationship with Christ. And I'm actually looking like I'm a blind person. So I don't have any fruit. So I says, put my head back down, says, hmm. 
There she is again. AR, always, always right. That's my nickname I give her. But today what I want us to look at, you guys, is uh, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. In verse 10, what it reads is, Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and in his might. This verse shows us the importance of our daily devotions with the Lord and where the spirit-filled believer gets his power. Now, I know some of us don't read our Bibles during the week. We don't even open them up because we think we're going to get convicted by opening up the Bible. Well, for me, I get more convicted when I don't open up the Bible. Verse 11 says, putting on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you today, Lord. We ask, Father God, that you be with us. Continue, Lord, to put your spirit in us, Lord, and just let us walk according to your will and to your way. Lord, your word also tells us, dear Lord, that uh, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but what comes out. I just pray, Lord, that we can be vessels of honor unto you and walk in your obedience. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. So the whole armor of God is, is for our protection. And I know you would ask protection from what? Well, I would say protection from the enemy and protection from ourselves. Now, how many of us know that we can be our own worst enemies? And we do so by justifying the very wrong that we're about to do, but we do it anyway. And then when we're done doing that wrong thing, what happens? We end up feeling guilty and shame. Now, I was looking, listening to a podcast that Jonathan did with Brandon, and he was telling us about, it was about addictions. And I would say, y'all need to listen at it. But what, when we think about addictions, we think about drugs, booze, porn. That's the going thing now. But it can be a lot of other things, lying, cheating, stealing. But what really caught my mind was when Jonathan said, that we actually feel good when we're doing the wrong thing. And he said the reason why is because we have this dopamine, this surge of dopamine in our brain that actually makes us feel good while we're doing wrong. You know, that's something that I said, hmm. And if y'all want the clinical evaluation of that, y'all have to ask Jonathan himself. Because the only thing that came to my mind was then we want to claim First John 1 9. And it says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I know we all know that. And we probably can even quote that verse backwards. But I like the second and the fourth word in that sentence. It says, we and I. You know, misery does love company. And that just let me know that I'm not the only one that has this problem. The I and the we, that's y'all. Y'all got that problem, too. So we all need to just stay in prayer. But let me remind us of 1 Peter 5 and 8. It tells us to be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because our devil, the adversary, is roaring like a, he's walking about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. In Genesis 3, he did the same thing. He, he said, yea, hath God said. The enemy is subtle. He's clever. He's tricky and he's smooth. And ladies, I know you know what I mean. Remember the husband, the husband that you have now, remember when he first came to you, 
with those smooth words. And you said, I do, I will. Oh, yeah, when? Well, 1 Peter 5.80 says he's seeking whom he may devour. He's actually asking for permission. And what do we do? We give him just what he asked for. I can't never remember one time when the devil had to smack me upside my head to get me to do anything wrong. I just did it because that's something that I wanted to do. Now think about this. How many times do we do these wrong things before we even know we was getting ready to, to do them? Now let me say that again. How many times do we do the wrong things before we knew we was getting ready to do them? I don't think that's, that ever happens. I think we do the wrong, we know we're getting ready to do the wrong thing. We do it just because we want to. So it's not like we didn't know we were getting ready to do what we did. So why do we need this protection from ourselves? Well, we're reminded in Jeremiah 17 and 9 that our heart is deceitful. And it's above all things, it's desperately wicked. Who can know it? We're reminded in Ephesians 4 and 23 and 24 that we're told to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God, is created in righteousness and true holiness, not our holiness, his holiness. That's our salvation. Even Paul, who wrote Ephesians, before he was Paul the new man, he was a Jewish gangster named Saul, the old man, who wrote Ephesians. And we should be believers. We should all be believers, and we should all know why we're believers and what it took of us and Jesus Christ for us to become believers. But if we don't, we want to know how to put on the whole armor of God, much less how to use it. Unless first we're saved and we allow the Holy Spirit to transform us. That would make a dramatic change. I ask that we never forget the sacrifice and the sufferings that Christ went through just so we could claim salvation. But then again, we do the wrong thing. And we know what he went through just for us to become who we are. So if you question your salvation, I would ask you to ask a Bible study leader. And we do have some Bible study leaders in here. Hold your hand up. And if anybody that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, you can talk to them. They'll be able to guide you in the right direction. Because without the whole armor of God, we'll try to fight this spiritual battle in the flesh when we need to fight the battle in the spirit to overcome the flesh. Verse 12 tells us what and where this battle is. It tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the spiritual wickedness in high places. Y'all do realize that we're seated in heavenly places with Christ. Ephesians 2 and 6. But the enemy in his darkness, he's sitting in the spiritual realm too. Job 1 and 6. He's not dressed in red and he don't like, he's not a cartoon. We need to fight the spiritual battle in the spirit. Spiritual battles need spiritual weapons. We need to pray. That's where our faith started, with prayer. 
If we look at Ephesians 6, we'll realize that it talks about parents and kids, servants, masters, and then masters and the master. But Ephesians 18 is where I think the whole, the key of this verse, this whole passage is. Verse 18. It says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now, they mentioned supplication twice. We need to be serious about our prayer. So we're actually being told to humble ourselves, asking each other in prayer. Despite the difficulty that one goes through, we continue to pray for each other. Now, we, we don't focus on the circumstances. We focus on the power of prayer in the circumstances. We should almost, we should be on WhatsApp saying thank you, Life Fellowship, almost before the need is even known. Life Fellowship, our pastors, they get prayer, and we're just as special. Life Fellowship, pastor, praying is what we do every Friday morning, 6.30 a.m. on Zoom for all the saints and all the ain'ts. Now, you can get that link off WhatsApp, and if you're not on it, you can ask Mark. He'll be able to get you on it. You can ask me, but I'm no computer guy. You can ask Lori that, because I'm always coming to her, ask her to help me out with this computer. First Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. So what does that mean? That's a question, y'all. It means pray without ceasing. Praying always is something that we do. And some of us might claim that we don't know how to pray, but if you can talk, you can pray and be heard. And then there's those of us who claim to be mute when it comes time to pray. Well, you pray and you go about your day just talking to yourself, just directed to the Lord. So on Fridays, feel free to jump in and pray. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I know this is probably sounding a little elementary about now, but we have no excuse not to pray. So why do we pray always? If you look at Luke 21:36, it says, Watch ye therefore and pray always. Why? That you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the man, the son of man, this is Jesus speaking himself. And the S in Son of Man is capitalized. We'll be, we will be standing before Jesus. John 14 and 2 says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And you know whether I go. And you know the way. So why do we do these things when we want to be accounted worthy to escape all these things? Y'all know we got a wedding to go to, right? Now us earthly husbands, we wanted our bride to be look to look good amongst a few other things. But we have a heavenly groom who just, he says he wants his bride to be holy because he's holy. And we should remember that. Jesus is coming back. So of these things, 
what will we be doing at his return? Will we be doing those things or the same things? The things or many things? Which things will we be doing? All things or anything. But let us not be doing these things. And in Luke 21, 36, we're told to watch, pray, because we will get into the all these things. And you know those things are all the wrong things. Be it cussing somebody out, fussing, fighting, traffic mishaps, stealing, taxes, porn, sex, drugs, fornication, unmarried sex. Some will just commit adultery. The hindering of someone, a stumbling block, etc. You fill in the blank. You know what your problems are. I know what my problems are. And it's all worldly desires. But I'd ask that it not be named once among any of us. Because we should know better. You can also look at Mark 7, 14 through 23 to get the full list of all the evil things that we do. Some each and every day. This is also why so many of our marriages are a wreck. Because we're practicing all the wrong things. First John 2 and 16 describes these things as the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Of these things, I'm sure that we all have a few. Matthew 26 and 41 says, Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. In Lesson 10, Dealing with Sin, for those who've had D1 and F1, there's a verse that helps us deal with these things, 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. You can read it for yourself, but it's basically telling us that God is faithful when we become tempted. And when we become tempted, he makes a way out that we can bear it. God has a way out if we just get in his word and find out what it is. All these things will end one way or the other. I'm sure you know what I mean. Keep your armor on. You can also look at Colossians 3 and 8. It names a few of these things. Our pastor did a series on Colossians, if you remember. The question is not going to be, did it happen in you and our life? But how did we handle it? What did we do? Did I put on the whole armor of God and stand, or did I sing Frank Sinatra's song? I did it my way. Luke 21 and 34, in a nutshell, tells us that Christ will return to judge all. There's a white throne judgment, and then there's the judgment seat of Christ. Some will be caught not accepting Christ, that's the lost. And then there's those believers who will just be doing themselves, just having fun. And then there's some of us that will be serving Christ, evangelizing, discipling, preparing, going, giving, preaching, praying. Whoever you are, you won't be able to say, I didn't know. The question is going to be, did you have your armor on? And do you put it on daily? That's why we pray. Always. Then there's praying with all prayer. And what is all prayer? Prayers of supplications, thanksgiving, intercessions, confessions, praises, communion. These are just a few. 
And this is what we do every Friday morning, 6.30 a.m. For all the saints and all the angels. And I'm sure that so now that we've done everything that we should do and everything that we shouldn't do, let's look at, let's look at Ephesians 6, 14. It says, standing therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. The girding of our loins is like getting ready for battle. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, was told by God that he was ordained before a prophet before he was born. Jeremiah's response was, I can't speak, I'm a child. To paraphrase God's response, he said, shut up. Go where I tell you to go and tell them what I say, tell them. Jeremiah had to gird up his loins and not be afraid of their faces, much like us today. We need, some of us need to gird up. Some of us need to gird up and witness Read your Bible. Go to LFBI. Clean the church. Pray with your spouse. Pray for your spouse. Come on Tuesdays. Again, I say you fill in the blank. Because I'm sure whatever you wanted to do, you do it. You gird up. And you get ready and you do it the right way. So when the Holy Spirit or our pastors or our servant leaders ask us to do something, we need to just do it. And we need to do it in truth. And this truth doesn't mean just to be well-versed in the Bible, but to always be learning and always be living the reality of Christ in us and Jesus Christ coming out of us every day. You need to do it to withstand the enemy, girding yourself in truth. Now, I know we can't all do everything all the time, but we can all do something some of the time. John 17 and 17 says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16, you can read it, but it starts out by saying, Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Hope. Pray. To the end, for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's his return. That's judgment. And it ends by saying, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. To sum it up, our salvation should be lived as though we look forward to the future grace we receive at the judgment seat. And we should stop living a defeated life as though we're following after our old lives and the lust and the ignorance of it. It says, be ye holy. Daily, we should ask ourselves, who's in charge? John 8, 38 speaks of two different fathers, Satan and God, good and evil. And there's six parts to the whole armor of God, the loins of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the gospel of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. <coughs> We should ask ourselves, are we dressing daily in the whole armor of God? Or are we walking out spiritually naked? And if y'all remember when Jonathan did that law of love, he mentioned the whole armor of God. And if y'all remember Missy's response, she alluded to how we would actually look without having that armor on. 
I don't think I have to repeat myself too much. What she said. Isaiah 6, 64 and 6 tells us that we're unclean. And all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. But we have his righteousness. So we need to act like we're in his righteousness. If you read 1 Corinthians 1 and 30, James and 2 and 23, Romans 3 and 21, we'll see that his righteousness was imputed unto us. And if you want to clean up your walk and your life, just try to let the book of James inspire you. When we put on the breastplate of righteousness, which is our salvation through faith and belief in Jesus Christ, the finished work of Christ, our victory over sin, death, the grave, and the lost fulfillment will actually go into battle victorious. It seems physical only when we don't keep it spiritual. The Bible tells us that we have victory in Christ, but let us not let Satan have victory in us. Isaiah 59 and 17, it says, For God, he put on the righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head. The breastplate covers the heart, and we need to protect our hearts. Judgment's coming. Now, it's a known fact that the Roman soldiers use the breastplate to protect the vital organs, mainly their hearts. At salvation, you and I, the repentant sinner, we was issued this breastplate. His righteousness, because ours is no good and it's no match for Satan's attacks. So why do we try to fight this battle when it's already won by Jesus Christ himself? We just need to be in his word and doing it his way. We need his righteousness because ours is no good and it is no match for Satan's attacks. We're told to put on this breastplate because it's actually telling us that we don't always have it on. We need to put it on and we need to keep it on. Life Fellowship, I would say, that these things come into play because we're trying to do it our way. Let's guard our heart and let it be tied to the belt of truth. Does your heart tell you to put on the whole armor of God daily? Or are you satisfied with where you are? Let's seek the lost, share the gospel, make disciples, and pray that fruit remains. Now, I know we know that everything that God has, Satan has a counterfeit. So if you look at Matthew 6 and 33, and this is Jesus himself saying this. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will come unto you. Those will be the good, these things. We need to trade them in. We need to get rid of the bad, these things that we do and live for Christ. Father God, we humbly come before you, just thanking you. And we pray that we wisely walk in your ways, Father God, and in your righteousness. May we be spirit-filled believers, standing on your word and in your word, clothed, Father God, in your armor, praying always and in all prayer for all saints.
and all angst. Have a good day.